With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Conversations about what matters the most. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, welcome to State of the Nation. We are live. It is January the 3rd of 2024, and I'm Brian McLean, broadcasting live out of Central Texas. People call me Hesher. You can call me whatever you want. I'm here with Steve Hook. Steve, welcome to State of the Nation. What's happening, brother? I called you big man. What's happening, big man? There you go. Well, you know Doing what? Good, I, I had to uh, sign something yesterday, and for the first time, I had to write 2024. Isn't that weird how strange it feels when the calendar flips and you do that first, you know, penning of uh, the new year? Yeah, it takes me about uh, until about June to figure it out. And then just <laughs> when I get the new year figured out, here comes the next new year. It's a, it's a never ending, never ending struggle, my friend. Uh, yes, it's good to be they seem. Brother. Yeah, it's great to be with you, too. And they seem to come faster and faster as the years go by. But we digress. Yeah. So, Steve, I got to start with this one. There's been a lot of hubbub over the weekend and uh, yesterday talking about Epstein's pedophile island. And, uh, yeah. you know, yesterday was supposed to be the eve of the disclosure of a massive 200 name list of, you know, John and Jane Doe's associated with the uh, quote unquote late pedophile. <clears throat> didn't kill himself. Uh, and uh, of course, <laughs> Bill Clinton has been named uh, as Doe 36 potentially. And I find this very interesting because it's kind of just like it's almost a non story at this point that bill clinton is a friend of jeffrey epstein i mean i don't, I don't know uh and there was another delay so uh another delay we were supposed to have that come out today so you know you just gotta wonder but what we do know steve is that clinton flew only 26 times on the lolita express epstein's yeah. plane and was photographed with alleged sex trafficking victims um but there is not as of now still records showing that the former president would have flown to the island i imagine those are pretty easy to destroy for a president but what do i know steve well you know i've been following this story and the media is pretty much uh uh kind of tacitly admitting yeah he's on the list yeah prince andrew is on the list uh they've got to at this point and plus you know you got to consider Hesh, the clinton family dynasty is over uh yeah. they're expendable at this point uh they Damaged don't need brand. bill yeah, it's a damaged brand. It was damaged in 96. And of course, the yes. media rallied around and said, wow, he's look at this. It's he's coming out stronger and better. Well, yeah, people have long, uh, long memories. And and then when you throw in, wait a minute, a pedophile island, all of a sudden that damage that they thought had been covered up so well comes back to bite him in the ass. I have no doubt. Apparently, he's on the list roughly 50 times. So is Prince Andrew. Uh, but I just think it's um I think you're almost right. It's almost a non-story. And 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 tr you know as well as I do, brother, that is exactly the way the media is going to play this. Well, and uh, yeah, I can see the headlines now. I can see I can hear the reporters right now. And what comes as a shock to absolutely no one, Bill Clinton's name <laughs> is on the list. Of course, this does not mean that he's been guilty of any illegalities, blah 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 blah, and the spin continues. And that's what we're going to get. Um right. but yeah, you know, whole, a like bully for the judge that said, "Yeah, you got to release this stuff." Yeah. Yeah, they, they should. And it's just like, 
come on, man. I mean, who else is on it at this point? Like the fact that they're rolling Bill Clinton out really makes me wonder what they're trying to distract from. Because at this point, uh, with that damaged brand, we should all already know uh, or at least suspect exactly what's gone on there. And Steve, before we have to uh, switch to our news break here, I also want to um, just give a quick update on the Colorado Secretary of State thing. Colorado Secretary of State uh-huh. urges Supreme Court to expedite Trump ballot challenge. And the most interesting thing I found about this are the two most crucial questions. So President Trump and the Colorado GOP um, are interveners in this case. And on the on December 27th, the Colorado GOP filed a petition for immediate review at the U.S. Supreme Court, effectively blocking the removal of President Trump from the Colorado primary ballot. But here's the interesting thing, Steve. These are the important questions. The Colorado GOP has presented the Supreme Court with three questions. Number one, whether Section 3 applies to presidents. If it does not, the whole thing falls flat. Number two, whether Section 3 is self-executing and allows individual states to decide to remove candidates without input from Congress. And if it's not, the whole thing falls flat. And lastly, whether denying a political party the right to put any candidate it chooses on the primary ballots violates the First Amendment. And again, if it does, the whole thing falls flat. So there you go. Yeah, well, the whole thing's going to fall flat. I mean, it's going to fall flat. It's not going to stop other states from doing it. This is why the Supreme Court has got to fast track this one uh, much sooner rather than later, because you're going to see one state after another. Uh, as panic really starts to set in, uh, it starts striking him from the ballot. And if the Supreme Court can fast track this, fast track this thing and just say, hey, guys, enough already. We have a candidate or presumptive candidate anyway, uh, and let the chips fall where they may. I think that's what's going to end up happening. And then, of course, you know, Hesh, comes our next big question. What happens then? Yeah. That's the big that's the big yeah. question. Yeah. And we're going to find out soon because they have to send out Um, They need to be able to send out their early ballots and all that stuff to the military. So, you know, that's why uh, the drop dead date for this was tomorrow is tomorrow. So um, they had they must certify the primary ballots on January 5th, after which they are as good as printed. So there you go. And uh, so we're going to know a little bit more about this real soon. So we're going to keep an eye on this. And I will remind you. Uh, Did you know there's many ways you can listen to TNT Radio? Why not stream us direct from our website or on your desktop, tablet, or mobile device, or download our app from the App Store? We even stream live on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, and all the good video and audio podcasting platforms and live platforms. We got you covered here at today's News Talk. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Democrat Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey has been hit with a superseding federal indictment involving more accusations of bribery. Here with the story joining us now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Uh, Ruckus, I guess Bob Menendez falls down the chute a little bit further here. What's the latest? Well, you know, uh, corruption is going to keep corrupting, right? Um, so, yeah, this is kind of more of the same, but 
more of the same. Uh, in the indictment, prosecutors allege that Mr. Menendez, uh, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, where he was chairman until his initial indictment last September, uh, quote, used his influence and power, end quote, and violated his duty in order to introduce businessman developer Fred Diabes to a potential Qatari investor. Oh, my. The indictment does not make clear how Qatar uh, benefited from the deal. Um, Mr. Menendez got 2022 Formula One Grand Prix tickets and other gifts from Qatar, according to the indictment. That's right, folks. If you're from Qatar, apparently you can buy a U.S. senator with tickets to see Formula One racing. Yikes. Uh, Mr. Menendez has been hit with conspiracy and bribery charges. Um, Menendez's previous indictment in, alleges that the senator, alongside his wife, Nadine, Nadine uh, Menendez, took bribes from three supporters, Mr. Diabes, Wael Hanna, and Jose Uribe, in exchange for favorable treatment surrounding the government of Egypt, whose human rights record like Qatar's, has come under fire. The gifts in that case included gold bars, home mortgage payments, and a fancy car. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, some exercise equipment, um, going from memory on that one. Uh, Mr. Menendez, Menendez also allegedly pressured the New Jersey Attorney General's office related to a prosecution against Mr. Uribe, who pled guilty in, pleaded guilty in 2011 to a charge of third-degree theft by deception and was sentenced to three years probation. Additionally, Mr. Menendez allegedly promised to ask President Donald Trump to appoint a U.S. attorney for the District of New Jersey to interfere in a prosecution of Mr. Diabes on fraud and other financial related charges. He pleaded guilty to the charges in 2018, but withdrew the plea and his trial has been postponed. The last time the senator was indicted, wow, it's like a, a pattern with this guy, was in 2015, uh, but the trial resulted in a hung jury and prosecutors declined to bring up the case again. Uh, Mr. Menendez has resisted calls to resign and has said he will, quote, continue to fight for the people of New Jersey with the same success I've had for the past five decades, end quote, and that people, quote, are rushing to judge a Latino and push him out of his seat. End quote, of course. Coming to uh, say some comments, we've got Senator Cory Booker, Democrat, fellow Democrat from New Jersey, quote, Senator Menendez has made these sacrifices in the past to serve. And in this case, he must do so again. I believe stepping down is best for those Senator Menendez has spent his life serving. Under our legal system, Senator Menendez and the other defendants have not been found guilty and will have the ability to present evidence disputing these charges, and we must respect the process, end quote. That was uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Um, and yeah, so they're all kind of do, saying this guy needs to step down, uh, except, of course, himself, who says he's going to keep doing what he's doing. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, let me just take this first as a New Jersey resident. Um uh, he is he is dirty as dirty gets. Uh, he's as dirty as the uh, sewers of Trenton, New Jersey. The guy is uh, he, he's up to his eyeballs in it. Everybody knows it comes as no shock that Cory Booker would ask him to step down because then Cory Booker, of course, immediately becomes the senior senator from New Jersey. So, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of uh, incentive for Booker to see Menendez step down. 
Uh, but Menendez is doing his party on a national level, uh, no favors by hanging in there. That's for damn sure. So I think eventually the axe is going to fall. Um, but it's just so typical Menendez. And then that he would use the Hispanic thing. Reminds me of Claudine Gay of Harvard immediately immediately rallies to the uh, the black woman defense. And here's Menendez uh, saying, oh, you're only going after me because I'm a Hispanic. I mean, just it's just unbelievable. Only you'd have to be very, very foolish uh, to buy into this garbage. But none of us here are. So, Hesher, what do you think? Well, you know, uh, there's one line that stuck out in there to me, and it's just been rattling in my head ever since it came out of Ruckus's mouth. And it was um, dot, 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 quote, the last time the senator was indicted, end quote. I mean, (laughs) what is this? Like, how do these people still keep getting elected? I mean, it, it seems like kind of a fundamental problem that this guy has already been indicted, uh, that he's working with foreign governments, business people in foreign governments, you know, wh- wherever that gray line crosses between business, foreign business and foreign governments. A little difficult to say when I hear stories about Egypt and Qatar, I mean, or Qatar if you're uh, George Bush. I'm not really sure which way you're supposed to say it, but, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, and he's he's still resisting calls to resign. I mean, he's going to fight for the people of New Jersey with his five decades of success, yet somewhere in this five decades he's been indicted multiple times, accused of this stuff multiple times, to the point where the public now has the evidence, you know, or told what evidence the police have or whoever's doing this case. I mean, they've got the uh, free Peloton. They've got the bags of cash. They've got the gold Gold bars. bars. And don't forget the great time that he probably had at the Grand Prix. Uh, And who knows what else this guy's been privy to. It's, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I guess uh, if we could just kind of remove criminals from Capitol Hill, that would be, I think, what a lot of Americans would like. I don't know. I don't really care (laughs) what side they're on. That would be a start. Yeah, that would be a start. It's just so it's so reminiscent of Torricelli, too. He's another one. Another New Jersey, New Jersey's own. It's um, you know, you've got you've got uh, you've got uh, New uh, Trenton, New Jersey. Of course, you got Chicago, Illinois. There's certain hot spots of abject corruption, uh, and I'm sitting real close to one right now. So that's where we're at. Anything else right. on this ruckus? Well, not only has he resisted calls to resign, he's not ruled out running for re-election. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just absolutely point. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Um, so uh, the trial for the 70-year-old senator uh, alongside his co-defendants is scheduled to take place in the U.S. District Court in Manhattan in May. Uh, so we shall have to see what happens from there. I do have a question. Since we have to wait till May. Uh, I keep seeing the price of gold going up and up. Does that mean that the charges get worse for him the longer they sit on this? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> or his bank account gets bigger. Where is the gold, by the way, too? Is that in an evidence locker somewhere, or is he able to move that around? I mean, where's the Peloton? Did he have to order one on his own credit card after all this? Is it sitting in an evidence locker? <laughs> I have so many questions, but... 
you know, of course, they're not going to give me the answers to the ones I have. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ruckus. Great report. We'll see you in the next hour. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government, is doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Now, the fight to preserve the right to keep and bear arms never sleeps because the fight to destroy our right is incessant, and especially in California. Now, let me take you back to December 20th of 2023 for a moment. Out of Santa Ana here, uh, Firearms Policy Coalition announced that Federal District Judge Cormac J. Carney issued a preliminary injunction again in its Carolero v. Bonta lawsuit blocking enforcement of California's newest ban on firearm carry. Now, SB2, okay, that's the bill there. SB2, the coverage is sweeping. It's completely repugnant to the Second Amendment and openly defiant of the Supreme Court. That is almost a word-for-word quote by Judge Carney there, which he wrote in his opinion. He said, SB2 turns nearly every public place in California into a sensitive place, effectively abolishing the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding and exceptionally qualified citizens to be armed and defend themselves in public. And now let's go to December 30th of 2023. On December 30th, a federal appeals court cleared the way for a California law that bans the carrying of guns in most public places to take effect at the start of 2024, as the panel put on hold that judge's ruling, declaring the measure unconstitutional. Joining us now to discuss is Executive Director of the San Diego County Gun Owners Pack, Michael Schwartz. Michael, welcome back to State of the Nation. Thank you for joining us. This is a fast-moving issue right here. Um, what, what's your take on what's gone on and where are we headed? It's a complete and total mess. The judge was right that, that it is repugnant. SB2 is repugnant and flies right in the face of the Supreme Court's decision. Um, I'm actually a plaintiff in the Car- Carolero case, as, as is San Diego County gun owners and Orange County gun owners. Um, it's an extremely important case. It, in effect, does end concealed carry in California. The Supreme Court said, hey, you have to issue permits to people that can pass the background check and the training. Um, no more of this subjective, you know, uh, bureaucrats and elected officials deciding who and who and who and who do, does not get a uh, 
a carry permit. So the state of California said, fine, we'll issue the permit, but then it's useless. You can't carry outside of your home. And it's even the implementation is even worse than that. And you, you, you talked about how the, there was a little bit of a legal ping pong last week and, and the judge over the case said, yeah, this is, this is horrible. And then the appeals court or the ninth circuit said, uh, yeah, well, we're, we're doing it anyway. Your, your injunction is not valid. And now it's sitting in front of another panel. But it's even worse than that because it's it's implemented. You know, the SB two takes effect on January first, um, but there are parts of SB two that California is giving no guidance on. For example, it has uh, a, a certain criteria that instructors have to meet before they can be CCW instructors, and they haven't released that. Um, they do say that certain places, if they put a sign out that says, you know, CCWs are okay here then you can legally carry there. Um, but they don't, but it also says the sign has to be blessed by the California department of justice and they haven't given any guidance on that. So even if somebody wanted to put these signs out, uh, they're not able to do it because California won't tell them how, but what's even worse is I don't think we want to participate in this sign thing. Um, you know, there's really no difference between putting out these signs and forcing uh, people to make a political statement. And basically, you know, it's it's government's way of discriminating against gun owners. And there's no difference between this sign and signs back in the Jim Crow South that said whites only in front of uh, diners and bathrooms and water fountains. There's no difference between this sign and a, uh, a you know, the star of David on, on the, 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 the chest of, of a Jewish person in, in 1930s Germany. It's the, it's the same thing. I say that without exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. Well, especially hello, Michael. Um, it's good to see you again. This is, uh, this has got to be quashed. Um, this is uh, three a, a three panel a three judge panel, basically just makes a sweeping ruling that that effectively ends the Second Amendment in the Golden State unless you're on your own uh, in your own abode. I I can't see. I mean, I've never heard of a more affront, uh, an obvious affront to the Second Amendment as this ruling. I got to think that the Supreme Court is going to take this up again. But every time they take it up, they pass down judgment. And then a lower court says, yeah, but in this case, we're going to ignore the Supreme Court. How long can this kind of garbage go on uh, in in California? I don't know how long it can go on, but you're absolutely right. It's it's pretty ridiculous. You know, this uh, the the it's in front of a merits panel right now. And of course, they the uh, the three judge panel struck down the injunction. Um, you know, it, it's not unusual. The whole thing is is backwards. Usually if if California is, uh, you know, doing some kind of major change, you know, an injunction would make some kind of major change, um, then they can strike down, strike that down. But this is just saying that, hey, until we get this figured out in court, we want things to remain how they have been for decades. You know, you've been able to carry um, you know, in a grocery store, you've been able to carry in a, a Walmart or a Target, you've been able to carry, um, you know, in most places, as long as you have a permit, um, that's California's history. It's been like that for decades. So we just want to continue it that way until we work this out in court. And California instead is saying, hey, this is an enormous emergency and, you know, there'll be blood in the streets if, if we're, if we aren't allowed to, 
uh, limit people in this way. That doesn't make any sense at all. It, it goes against their, their tradition. It goes against their own rules. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all. And, and really what it is, is there's a bunch of activist judges on the ninth circuit, which isn't a big surprise. Um, and they don't like guns. I mean, it really just boils down to, uh, they want more restrictive, uh, gun policies and they're, they're using this to, to do exactly that. So they're not implementing the law. They're implementing their own personal uh, political agenda. Yeah. And I mean, I personally am not surprised to see this after New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin happened in the Supreme Court. That was a landmark ruling. That was a ruling that America has been looking for for decades, for a really long time, especially in places like California and New York. And immediately, Kathy Hochul, Gavin Newsom, and a couple others started uh, work. They went straight to work and to, and, and as far as I can tell, their their work, the topic of their work was how do we go against the Supreme Court? How do we take the Supreme Court out and put our political agenda in? Um, so, so, you know, I'm expecting what we're seeing right now. But SB2 itself, much like uh, the one that happened in Oregon last year, are are so far against and and Hochul too. Some of her list of places that people can't carry are so far against what happened in New York Rifle, uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. It seems like it should be very easy to rectify, um, but it's apparently not. There's a huge push going against it. And and Michael, we have a headline we have to take. It'll be a brief headline with today's news talk. We'll come back and I'll take your comments on that because I want to know what it is that makes states think that they can go against the Supreme Court um, in something. It's a very simple ruling that, quote, must be consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation, end quote. We'll take your comments on that right after this brief headline at today's News Talk. Now, I've got news for you. Give me the news. Give it to me. Give me the news. TNT Radio News. <laughs> news Flash. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Shadow Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Birmingham is calling on the Australian government to swiftly provide energy assistance to Ukraine. Following reports that Australia is yet to respond to Ukraine's request for coal that was made nearly a month ago. A false 911 call led law enforcement to the Long Island home of billionaire George Soros on Saturday, claiming he had shot his wife. The United States Navy is realigning its naval presence in the eastern Mediterranean and Red Sea areas due to ongoing threats to commercial shipping in these regions. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Michael, what is it that makes governors and activist judges think that they can go against the Supreme Court in the United States of America? I, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, obviously, you know, I, I think that they're so embroiled in their own political philosophies that they, they believe that the ends, uh, justify the means. Um, I also think that there aren't nearly enough people involved. Um, you know, I think they're, they're kind of in a bubble. They think that this is how, that, that they have the, the, the people's interests in mind and the, and that the uh, public opinions on their side. And I think that there aren't enough gun owners involved in making sure that, uh, that, that uh, public policy 
reflects, um, you know, their opinions as well. But I want to humanize this whole thing uh, for just a minute. You know, we talk about the legalities and we talk about the the bills and the laws and the courtroom and the procedures. But, you know, I got to tell you, we started this big change with people being able to get a carry permit started in 2017, thanks to San Diego County gun owners, at least here in San Diego County. And in that time, counties or our county has issued uh, they we had 1100 total issued now we have over 16,000 and they're issuing about 700 a month and San Diego County gun owners we've been teaching people how to get their permit and I personally have taught hundreds of classes on how to get your permit how to make it through the process and in that time I've seen I don't know how many people countless people who you know they're not they're not people who like guns as a hobby. They're people who were victims of a crime. They're people who have a restraining order against somebody. They're people that were sexually assaulted. Um, people that really truly were concerned about their safety because of something that's happened to them. Um, and that's why they're getting their permit. And what the state of California and what Gavin Newsom has done is told these victims um, that, hey, your attacker is has free reign starting January 1st. So whoever your attacker is, whoever you had that restraining order against, whatever ex-boyfriend or or former boss attacked you or was harassing you, um, we're letting them know that as of January 1st, you are completely and totally defenseless. Um, and I can't think of anything more. I mean, the judge described this law as repugnant. And I think when you humanize it that way, um, that really illustrates and colors exactly what he means by repugnant. I've seen people who come to these classes and say, you know, I'm afraid to leave my house. That's why I'm getting a permit so that I can defend myself outside of the home. And the reason they're afraid of leaving their house is because, you know, some specific threat, somebody actually has attacked them in the past or is threatening them or is getting out of jail soon. Um, and the fact that they're going to lose that freedom again is uh, that's what's repugnant and frankly sad. Yeah, you know, I got to say, Michael, it, it it is repugnant. I think I said that, too, because when I first heard it, I'm just like, and you're right. One, one thing you said that struck me is you said they live in a bubble. Well, you've just described the entire left. They all live in bubbles. That's why they love to cancel everybody, because they don't want to have to deal with people that don't think exactly like they do on every particular subject. I'm in New Jersey, Michael, and there was a uh, story, goodness gracious, it was quite a few years ago, a girl by the name of Carol Brown. Carol was looking to get a gun because her husband, her ex-husband, her ex-fiance or whatever, ex-boyfriend, uh, ex, uh, was getting out of prison, and he had told her in no uncertain terms, I'm going to kill you when I get out. She had a restraining order against him. She told multiple officers, multi, had multiple caseworkers on this. She was waiting for a gun. Two days before, and the state dragged its feet, dragged its feet, did not want her to have that gun. Two days before, she was eligible to get the gun. Finally, after months and months and months of waiting, well, that was a week too late for her because the boyfriend got out and he came and he killed her, and she couldn't defend herself. Now, I've talked to John Lott multiple times. Of course, he's the author of uh, More Guns, Less Crime. And basically what California has just done is hung a sign over everywhere saying this is a gun-free zone. And if you just listen to Michael Lott and look at the data, it proves most mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. I mean, after all, nobody's going to be there to defend themselves. California has just really screwed its own citizens over, all in the name of this woke ideology crap. 
is the NRA getting involved in this with you at all? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the NRA is doing. Um, you know, we work with firearms policy coalition and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we play our, our position in the field. Um, you know, I think it's important that we have a strong NRA, but I don't know where they are in this, in this process, but we're going to continue to fight and win. Um, but we can't do it alone. We need more people involved. You know, I, I think it's important to understand that uh, um, it, you have to get some skin in the game here. You know, if you really truly believe, as I do, that this is very much a civil rights issue. You know, when you mm -hmm. looked at other civil rights groups who who gained their liberty and their freedom and their rights back, you know, you're talking about like black Americans in the South in the 60s. You're talking about the LGBT community in the 70s. You're talking about uh, Jews in the in the 60s and 70s. You know, there's a lot of different groups that really had to fight for, for their freedoms and rights and fight against discrimination. They were not afraid to get skin in the game. In other words, they weren't afraid to stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. Uh, they weren't afraid to show up and say, hey, I'm I'm a part of this group and you're 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 hurting me. Um, and uh, I think the gun owners need to start doing that far too often. I'm seeing people, um, leave California. They just say, Hey, well, I don't want to be here anymore. There's too much of a fight here. I'm out of here. I don't want to talk about it because I'm afraid of, of public opinion or whatever. We got to end that. Uh, you know, this either is important to you or it isn't. It either is a civil rights issue or it isn't, um, you know, moving to another state, that's not going to, that's not going to solve the problem. You know, it might give you temporary peace you know you might be happy temporarily um but california is where the fight is you know there's a couple other states too but right now california is where the fight is and people have to stand up and be counted and and get involved in the political process and vote the right way and help the right people get elected and donate the money and donate their time those are the, they're the only two tools you have when something like this happens is your time and your dime and both of them are important they are. They're very important, Michael. You know, um, we speak with Wes Verdell. He's the uh, Texas president of Gun Owners of America. And I've spoken with him uh, personally, privately, and, and, you know, heard his take on just how much he has to do and how much GOA does. And, you know, and the successes of Firearm Policy Coalition and Gun Owners of America and their local and state chapters over the last couple of years have been magnanimous so uh if you're listening to what michael is saying here and this is an important topic to you the very least you can do is become a member at one of those organizations or one of your choosing that actually gets out there and goes to the capitol and talks to people and makes things happen i mean we had 44 plus million americans that were about to become instant felons if they didn't remove a piece of plastic from their ar and ak pistols last year and these organizations stopped that so it's really important and and michael in our in our last couple minutes here i have to ask um, one of my colleagues sent me this uh, this post, and it's a woman speaking, and, and here's what she said, and I want to see if you know anything about this. She said, quote, my husband owns a gun shop, and he just called me to tell me that the ATF has made updates to their background check policy, and effective today, they're giving an exemption to illegal immigrants to be able to purchase firearms. Now, this strangely coincides with uh, California, New York, and Chicago making it illegal making it legal, sorry, for illegals to be police officers. Tell me our government isn't about to pull some shenanigans without telling me our government's about to pull some shenanigans, end quote. Do you, can you verify this? Have you heard anything about it? What do you think about this? 
so I've read that same quote and with everything that's going on with SB2 and all the ping pong that's, that's been happening in the new year, I haven't been able to look into that or verify it. Um, so I can't, I can't say either way. That could be completely false. It could be completely accurate. I, I, I don't want to comment either way because I don't have firsthand knowledge on that, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. I understand. That's why we asked because we're, we're in that same spot right now. We're trying to figure out, uh, I want to see this ATF guidance. So uh, if you find anything, please let us know and come back. We'd love to get your take on that because that would beg so many questions and we'd love to get your opinion on that. Now, where can people go to support you? Check out San Diego County gunowners.com, San Diego County gunowners.com. Uh, you know, if you can donate a couple of bucks, even if you don't live in San Diego or California. Um, but like you said, Gun Owners of California, NRA, Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, you know, I'm, I, there there are at least uh, 10 different groups, Second Amendment Foundation, uh, you know, spread spread some spread some uh, some checks around, you know, make a couple of donations to these groups, whatever the group of your choice is, but make sure that we're funded so that we can continue to fight the, these uh, these battles. I can't tell you how frustrating it is when we say, hey, there's uh 50 different lawsuits we need to file, but we can only afford five. We can only afford to do five of them, you know, and, and, and it's extremely frustrating. So all these groups, you know, like I said, we, we partner with firearms policy coalition a lot. Um, we're doing great work here in San Diego. We'd love your, your support and donation, but if it's not us, make sure it's somebody. Yeah. Well said, Michael. And, you know, I'll just underline that by saying as a member of gun owners of America, you are, you you get injunctive support sometimes like that that atf ruling uh you had injunctive support if you were a, a member of gun owners of america or fpc so uh you know it's not just a matter of helping things happen legally that need to happen to retain your rights it also protects you as a gun owner in in many ways and unforeseen ways that are uh important so uh we thank you for going to San Diego gunowners.com. And we thank you, Michael Schwartz, for joining us. We always appreciate it when you're here to discuss these very touchy and important topics. And we'll uh, look forward to having you back on again real soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Mike. All right. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. What do I love about riding? It's the thrill, the excitement. Riding gives me a sense of freedom. I feel so connected to the road. Riding is like therapy to me. It makes me feel alive. Love riding? Back off. Right. 
I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears. Eyes, would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. What happened to uh, duty, honor, country? Well, once proud citadels of virtue, the U.S. military academies have lost their way and they're running on fumes, woke progressive fumes, unfortunately. And these things need to be fixed before it's too late with his new book, Saving Our Service Academies, My Battle With and For the U.S. Naval Academy to Make Thinking Officers. It's Bruce Fleming, and we welcome Bruce to the show. Bruce, hello there, sir. Uh, boy, I love that. It's a clarion call for uh, getting the woke out of the military. Um, good for you. Congratulations on the book. Let me just ask you right away. Um, this is a, a battle that I have no doubt that a lot of the officer uh, corps rank is uh, upset about. No doubt some non-coms are pretty PO'd about this woke agenda that's being pushed. Um, but isn't this a battle with political appointee? Uh, I don't want to mention any names. Rhymes with Tilly starts with an M, but those kinds of officers that are political appointed officers that are basically in it for the, uh, for the political points. I mean, is that where the, where the battle lies or is it much larger than that? Well, it is much larger than that because of course, um, the, the good news is that in our democracy, uh, the military is controlled by civilians. Uh, and the civilians in this case are, are Congress, the representatives of the uh, the people, presumably. Um, but it's not just uh, outsiders who are telling the military what to do. It's the officers themselves. In order to climb the ranks, they have to be with whatever the current program is. And this is the current program. So you said you were sure that many of the officers and non-coms were upset about it. Yes, I know they are. But more to the point, the enlisted are upset about it. And the enlisted yeah. are 90 percent. They're ninety percent. Uh, so uh, yeah, they, it, it's what it, what they're trying to do is to use the service academy, academies, which are at the center, of course, of my attention. I say it's you know you drop a pebble in the water and the the ripples get get bigger as you go further out. At the center, where the pebble drops, is the naval academy. But the ripples that go out are just huge because uh, it's really society at large that's using these places for. Uh, social engineering. Uh, of course, we've we've all been maybe following the the Harvard things and uh, reactions to that about the social engineering in civilian universities. But it's much worse in the uh, with the military because the military has the power of the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, to slap its people into line. I mean, there's no argument there. And they, we have civilian professors at Annapolis, and they thought they could slap me into line too, and uh, that was where they were wrong. But uh, yeah, it's, it's. I would say at the biggest ripple, it's it's societal pressures, the way the wind is blowing, you know, that Bob Dylan song about uh, the, the way the wind is blowing. But yeah. uh, Congress has found places that they can completely control. And they've made it clear that for officers to climb the ranks, they have to apparently be enthusiastically on board with it. I mean, the superintendents at the Naval Academy are the worst of the lot. So uh, yeah. they're the ones 
you know, they're they're they want to retire. The superintendent position is a three-star admiral thing, and they go into retirement from us. So they want to go out in a cloud of glory and they want their pension, which is substantial, believe me. Uh yeah. so they're all, you know, they 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 can't talk back. I don't even know whether they want to talk back. <laughs> so so speaking of the the enlisted members. What expand on that? What does that mean for them? Does that mean there's there's sort of a culture like a soft culture war happening amongst the enlisted and those that hold more traditional values just have a, a lesser chance at at you know gaining rank? I mean, how how does this work out on the ground for our younger soldiers and our enlisted? Well, people? how it works out on the ground is is uh, the I've, I've written a lot of books actually about many, many about the military, many about other things. But uh, I say that the military is a series of bottlenecks up a chain. So you have to please your commanding, your commander, and that commander has to please his or her commander and so on. And so uh, in order, as I say, you know, they say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If your CO ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So and the, the further you go up the, the chain, the worse it gets. I mean, the joke about admirals, the so-called flag officers, is that they'll never eat a bad meal again and they'll never hear the truth because there are so many layers of buffer uh, between the guys and gals on the ground and the, the, the head honcho. So, yeah, they, they, they want to serve out their time. You know, they don't they don't want trouble. And I've had I, I've had former, one former student sticks in my mind, but many others have echoed this. He said. You find out what your CO wants and give it to him. It was typically a him, now more hers, but you find out what they want and, and give it to him, right? So that means what they want to hear and what his or her superiors want to hear. So it's it, my, I have a solution. I mean, I don't know how far it's going to go, but you know, I'm a professor and we look at the subtitle of my book to make thinking officers. The alternative to this ass kissing up the, up the chain of command is, it sounds kind of weenie, but you sit out and talk about it, right? The, the, the solution is for the higher officers to really listen to the guys and gals who are below them because they're the ones that see what's going on. Uh, and that's yeah. just what's not, what, what's not happening. It's just not happening because they themselves have to please up the chain of command. Now, Bruce, you mentioned that you're a professor at the Naval Academy. Are you an officer in the Navy or are you a civilian uh, professor? No, I'm a civilian professor. Annapolis alone, until this has begun to change, but Annapolis alone among the service academies, there's, you know, there's uh, West Point, there's Air Force and Coast Guard, um, has always had, since our founding in, in 1845, civilian professors. So I'm a PhD. Oh, okay. I had a draft number in Vietnam. Uh, didn't get called that far. So I say instead of toting a rifle in a, in a rice paddy, I've served more. Now it's 35 years of what they call a shore tour. Um, and I've been pleased and honored to be able to do that. But yeah, most of the most of the people in the teaching in classrooms at Annapolis look like me. I mean, th this is the clothes we wear. It's not a not yeah. a military uniform. Well, let me ask you this because you mentioned you mentioned this oh, and, and Hesher rightly brought it up uh, talking about the enlisted men and women. Uh, all branches of the armed services right now are having a tough time getting enlistees. And I'd wager a large part of that is because of this very issue we're talking about now. So maybe some of these flag officers and these the top brass, 
They've been in, they've been in a 20 plus year stint. They're ready to cash in and get that fat pension. As you mentioned, they might, they, they may just like, I'm not going to rock any boats. Uh, and I don't give a rip what my rep is after this, because I'll be cashing that pension check every month, uh, come hell or high water, but enlisted numbers are plummeting. They are, they're having, they're having trouble. Hard. Okay. Let's, you know, we professors, we say, Hey, wait a minute. We're not going to jump on one side or the other. We're going to look at both sides and so on. So let me try to do that. There are of course, economic factors at work that the unemployment rate is so low the people don't have to join the military, right? We don't have a draft. That's not going to happen unless we have World War III. You know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. So uh, the the w- what we do is we throw money a- at them. I mean, graduates of the service academies, for example, yet it's always within the top two or three when you list schools by the amount of money they get when they graduate, the highest salaries. The service academies are always there in that top cluster. And the same thing is true for the enlisted. And of course, it's what some people call socialized medicine. They get a little a little twerk or a tweet and they immediately get it taken care of, you know, no problem. So it's the financial incentive just isn't there. But you're I think you're on the money with this other thing of why would you do it anymore? I mean, we still try to sell. I've been there since 1987. I'll be 70 this year. So, so I've seen things going on for a while. Um, I mean, this is like I say, year 35 and counting. Um, but, uh, they, w- they, we try to sell the military with, you know, you go to a seal movie and you come out all pumped up and, you know, you're going to save, save the world or save America or save something. I mean, we love that stuff. Young guys don't no duh, really love that stuff. So we, we rope them in and what do they find? They find that it's, I say, it's a, you know, it's, it's not, it's not seal camp alpha hotel. It's a ladies teetotaler society where you can't, you know, we're talking we're talking about about the the various facets of woke, and there are several. I mean, one is another one that uh, we're not all that much talking about is the, the what I call the sexual assault wave that swept through everybody. I mean, colleges right and left. You know, the story was that one woman out of one woman out of five was going to be raped before she left college. All that was nonsense. That was under the Obama administration, but they come in and. You know, the, the same thing is going on. If if a girl says months after a sexual encounter that no, well, she didn't she didn't object, but she felt pressured and so on. The guy at Annapolis and in all, in all the military, the guy is immediately guilty in the eyes of the system. The girl is she gets the little label of victim, uh, not a, asserted victim or complainant, but victim. Um, and they none of them end well. I mean, the Naval Academy has tried repeatedly to get rape convictions, and I think there only one recently they finally got after years and years. So that's another facet of woke. It's like, who? Wait, yeah, I, I signed up to you know to kill bad guys. I have one student yeah. that I am still in contact with. He's Cuban, you know, Cuban American, grew up in Miami, and he says, "I said, what do you want to do when you grow up?" He says, "Kill commies." Okay, <laughs> all right, but you know, you gotta love that, right? So that's all gone. That's just not what it is. So I think you're on the money that why, why would why would anybody who comes in, you know, with the flag whipping and, you know, BT at O Dark Hundred, that whole ethos, it, it's not completely gone, but that's not that's not the way the wind is blowing these days on life support. Yeah, yeah, there, there and, are and, bubbles. I mean, yeah, go ahead. sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear what you're going to say. 
Well, I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to be fair and say there are there are bubbles. Um, you know, over the years, I have a lot of students who sit and talk to me, and uh, I got this big red leather chair in my office, and they come in, even if they're not in my class. That a buddy recommended them, and they'll come in, and you know, hey, hey, sir, how you doing? A little bit of back and forth, and, and it'll all come out, and it's the it's the most alpha type guy typically and the girls are there too they're disappointed as well who's just disappointed in the fact that you know everything is about walking on eggshells everything is about not saying the wrong thing to the wrong person uh, you know we oh gosh during during plebe summer they bring them in a, during plebe summer and if it's if the atmosphere is bad they put up a black flag and they can't run uh i mean like jog and you know so the guys on the lacrosse team come to me and they say, what is this? If there's, if, you know, if there's bad air and fill in the blank Afghanistan at that point, you know what, we're not going to go into battle. It's yeah. they're, they're not just running on fumes. They're military Disneyland's. Oh my goodness. Um, so, so there's, you know, I'm reading uh, from Reuters here uh, back on December 14th, the federal judge rejected a request by a group that successfully challenged race-conscious race college admissions policies before the U.S. Supreme Court to bar the U.S. Naval Academy from similarly considering race when evaluating candidates to attend the elite military school. Um, what happened here? Well, what happened is that the same the same guy who lives in Northern Virginia, not too far from me, I'm uh, in, in Annapolis, so I'm 45 minutes away, it was his group that took on Harvard and UNC. So uh, as I'm sure you're well aware in the, in the SCOTUS and the Supreme Court decision of, of, of the summer, there's a footnote where, okay, so, so now we can't do affirmative action in civilian colleges, fine. But there's a footnote by Justice, Chief Justice Roberts that says, except the service academies are accepted. And I think what happened is that they, and so the same guys in Northern Virginia went into action and they took on the Naval Academy. So I'm not happy uh, at the at the result, but I'm sure that uh, it's 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 a lovable thing to give deference to the military. What's not lovable is giving too much deference to the military. And in this case, they're giving too much deference, and specifically, they're giving too much deference to the higher ups who as we were just talking about, only want to coast out to their fat pensions. So um, I don't know what the next step is. I mean, the, you know, I'm, not enough, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a PhD in uh, literature. So uh, the argument that was made in the Supreme Court um, oral arguments was that, oh, we had problems in Vietnam where, where Black um, soldiers didn't like the, the white officers. But there are many. I mean, everybody knows these stories about these young lieutenants out of West Point getting fragged, you know, with themselves killed. I don't think it had to do with race. And please talk about 2023. Don't talk about the Vietnam War. That's my era. So yeah. I'm hoping that there is a next step. Uh, in fact, it's it has exactly the opposite effect. I mean, I've seen perfectly nice kids who judge as in, people as individuals and who just want competent officers who are not going to get them killed which is what the enlisted typically, if you ask them, that's what they say. They don't, they, they're not racist. They're just not that racist. And they don't say, oh, he has the wrong color skin. So they, they, they're perfectly nice kids and they come in and all of a sudden everybody is typed by, by race. And I've had the black students complain the loudest to me. One woman, uh, just brilliant woman, 
um, she, she one day in, in my office she says I should have gone to Howard Howard University which is a you know historically black the probably pre- preeminent historically black university in Washington I said why 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 should you have gone to Howard and she says because I am so tired of being stereotyped as black she says they want me to be in the gospel choir and I can't sing but she's from New York you know in New York. <laughs> In New York, everybody, I mean, you know, nobody, nobody's anything. So, yeah. yeah, it's a bad situation, and they're making it worse. I t- it, it comes as absolutely no shock to me, and uh, no shock to me, and probably Hesher either, that it would be Chief Justice Roberts who would make this carve out for the military academies. Uh, Bruce, we have to, we have to let you go there. But uh, just one more time, the book is called "Saving Our Service Academies: My Battle with and for the U.S. Naval Academy and Make Thinking Officers to Make Thinking Officers." Bruce Fleming, thank you, sir, for what you're doing. We'd love to have you back on. Have a wonderful day, sir.